0: Like to add that uh, Brian also did mention we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> no, we're in holiday mode. Uh, obviously that's finishing next week, but uh I've been back at work for two weeks and the body's really feeling it. But it's good it's good to be back. It's good to um, I'm just worried about this cup. Uh it's it's good to be back into God's word and I really enjoyed preparing for uh, this uh this sermon this week. It uh it brought to my remembrance just how important the Ten Commandments are. They really are important. Now, we've been, we've been speaking about them for the last few weeks. Now, Ten Commandments don't seem like a very onerous thing. And when you look at them, they're really simple. I mean, I've got, I've got Commandments 5, 6 and 7. You know, honour your mother and father. You shall not murder. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. Very simple. Very easy to understand. How could you go wrong? And yet, we seem to struggle with those Ten Commandments, don't we? Mankind struggles with those Ten Commandments. You see, as simple as they may seem to be, if we were to try and keep them for a day, we would probably succeed. I reckon. A day's not very long. And if we tried to keep the Ten Commandments for a week, we'd have to try very, very hard and put a lot of effort in and really watch the way in which we live. Now, take it out to a month, Graham. Some of us would be struggling at a month, yes? We would be struggling with some of those commandments. Now Cap, think about a year. In a year's time, how would we be travelling? Most of us would have great difficulty in keeping those ten commandments. Now Shay did a, oh she's not here, but anyway, Shay did a fantastic job at reading. And I chose those verses because it tells us some very interesting things about the commandments that haven't been mentioned yet, and they were told to us And they were actually reminded to to the people of God by the Lord himself. Break one commandment, you've broken them all. That's what the Lord said. Unfortunately, it's not a, a day, David, or a week or a month or even a year that we're required to keep the commandments. It's our whole life, our whole life. That's what makes them so hard to keep. The commandments. I'm going to give you a little bit of information that hasn't been given yet. Uh, just a bit of background, a bit of things of interest. The commandments were given by God to his people. right? To his people, the people of God. You can read that account in Exodus 32 verses 15 to 16 and there's lots of other parts of, of the, the first five books that talks about the giving of these commandments. But in that portion, 32, Exodus thirty-two, fifteen and 16, you'll read there that it says that it was the work of God, not Moses, not Moses, the work of God. And it also says in that little passage, it was the writing of God. So it makes it really clear to us who gave those commandments. God himself. And if you go to Deuteronomy 9, I love this bit. Deuteronomy 9 is also a, a, a recounting of the event. And it gives a little bit more information. And it says there that the, 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 uh, the tablets of stone were inscribed by the finger of God. Now, you often see this uh, illustrated, you know, a cloud, an arm with a hand and a finger. You see that? You just think about that. God himself, the creator of the universe, all-powerful. He took the time... To inscribe two tablets of stone. And this is what he wrote. The Ten Commandments. Have you ever wondered why a tablet of stone? I mean, they had, they had papyrus paper, right? They had papyrus paper. Why two tablets of stone? Uh, sorry? Yeah, well, that's right. I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, most of you know, or a lot of you know, that Paul and I love Tasmania. Hello, Desi and Sam, who are in Tasmania at the moment. But there's a place called Richmond in Tasmania. And on a hill at Richmond in Tasmania, there's the Catholic Church, St John's. Very old church, one of the oldest churches in Tasmania. And as was the, the custom in those days, next to the church was the little cemetery. Now, that hill in Richmond is a very windy place, extremely. One year when we went there, it was that windy. You could lean into the wind. Seriously, you know, 10, 15 degrees, you could lean, and you wouldn't fall. A very windy place. Why am I telling you this? When you go to the cemetery, you will see all the old tombstones, the the, the headstones, the gravestones, whatever you like to call them, and they're leaning all which way. Unbelievable. Unbelievable! to If you ever go to Richmond, take the time; it's fascinating. But what I noticed on those gravestones is that when you went up to them, and they're, they're very old, are you know, pioneers were buried there, early settlers. When you go up to the gravestone, what you see, oh, sorry, is just a plain bit of stone. There's nothing written on it anymore. There was. Because the wind and the dirt and the sand sand blasted whatever was written on there. But as you keep looking, you'll find that there are some headstones there that are engraved. Okay, the little bit of paint or whatever it was, the, the gold leaf might be gone, but you can still read who is buried there when they were born and when they died. That's why it's stone. That's why they're engraved. The Ten Commandments are an everlasting, an everlasting and binding moral imperative for mankind and especially the children or the people of God. Ever, never changing. Have you ever thought about, how do you think about this? How relevant they are. Every civilization, every civilization, right? Every culture, every time period, Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, whatever, even today, every culture, time period, people groups, whatever, have similar laws and rules as the Ten Commandments. Ever notice that? Don't you find that fascinating? you know they all they all they all hold to the law of no murder it's always been wrong to kill and murder someone stealing you know stealing as rough and as lawless as cowboys were in the old west i used to love westerns as a kid growing up you know they could they they would drop a man at any you know for any reason they were wild, lawless men. But you stole their horse, Graham. <laughs> End of the world. Stealing's always been wrong. Always came with a cons- Adultery! Now I know, I know that today, we live very loose moral lives as a society. We do. And so there's lots of adultery being practiced. But it's not acceptable, is it? The reason the divorce rate's so high is because of adultery. We don't like it when it happens to us. Because it's always been wrong. Every society's been the same. Lying. When is that, when, when was that ever permissible? And acceptable. Do you like being lied to? And even, even the worship component of the Ten Commandments, even though some of these cultures and civilizations may not, may not have been following the true and living God that we have in the Bible, they still had rules and regulation laws pertaining to their deity, whatever it might have been. A totem pole, a stone, or whatever. Isn't that fascinating? That mankind, let alone religious people, that mankind had these similar rules that they followed and upheld. But for the people of God, it's even more important, more significant. God's people... Uh, when they look at the Ten Commandments, as we've been hearing about over the last few weeks, it talks about, and they help us with uh, having a right relationship with, with this God, this, this, this powerful, almighty creator God. It, it also helps us to understand his character of righteousness and holiness. And, and, and it, they help us to with justification to be just uh, and be justified to, to to have a relationship with him. It ha- they help us with rewards and blessings. When you go through Exodus, Deuteronomy and Number, you'll see there how many times when God's making that covenant with the people of Israel, how he tells them, if you obey these things, If you listen and you do these things, there will be blessing. The promises I give you will be kept, upheld. But of course, if you don't, God makes it really clear. If you disobey. So the laws, the Ten Commandments help us to understand what is required, what we need to do. There's blessing, there's reward and there's punishment and chastisement. They're very important, very important. It was mentioned that there are 613 commandments in, in the Old Testament, not just 10, and that's true, 613. Now, I, I don't think that the 10 commandments are the foundational commandments. No, no, no. Maybe they didn't have flow charts in those days, but I think they're more of a flow chart. The Ten Commandments are right at the top, you know, Commandments 1 through to 10, and all the others, all the other... How many was there? 603. 603 Commandments all flow from those ones. You see, the Ten Commandments are the basis of all the other rules and regulations. You just think about our secular laws that we have. They can all be traced back, all of them, to those ten commandments given on Mount Sinai. So what was the purpose of the law? What what did God have in mind? Sure, give us ten commandments for us to follow and obey. But I think there's a little bit more there, a little bit more. The purpose of the law shows the Creator's character and by that I mean his moral character God's moral character summed up in those 10 commandments do you remember Psalm 19 what does Psalm 19 say about the commandments of God it says that the law of the Lord is what perfect right got that perfect there's not much that's perfect is there really As good a Tyler as I am, you know, never perfect. It also says that they're trustworthy. You can trust the law of God fully. It says that the precepts are not just good, but they're right. Right. They're right. You know, in our society, there is no absolutes, they tell me. There's no right and there's no wrong. It's just your 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 perception, Ralph, your opinion. Oh. The Ten Commandments are right. And they are radiant, it says in Psalm nineteen. And then you go to the New Testament, Romans says in chapter seven that they're righteous, they're holy, and they're good. They're good. Also, God, in the Ten Commands, we see God's desire for mankind. This is how he would want us to live. Now, we get caught up with some of the, 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 the peripheral things. But in these these commands, these ten simple, simple commands to understand... We have God's desire on how He wants us to live, you know. He doesn't want us to kill each other, lie to each other, be unfaithful to each other. He doesn't want any of that. Imagine can you imagine a society, not alone like a world, where there is no murder, where there is no adultery, where there is no 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 stealing. I can't even picture a place like that. It's never existed, except for maybe the Garden of Eden for a while. The purpose of the law also points forward to a very, very crucial event in God's calendar and God's plan. And that is what we've remembered here this morning, Calvary and Jesus Christ coming to the earth to be the saviour. But not only that, We read together that he came to what? Fulfill the law. That's how important these Ten Commandments are. The Lord came not to get rid of it, not to change it, not to amend it, not to modernise it, (laughs) but to fulfil it. And also, in Galatians 3, it tells us that the law is like a schoolmaster or a tutor teaching us and pointing us to Christ. That's the purpose of it. Hopefully, I'll explain it a bit better in a minute. And then, one of the things that the law does, and, and, and I discovered this many years ago in Scripture, and it's very dear to me, this, uh, this passage, But in John 14, verse 20, it's a demonstration of my love, obeying the law, keeping the law, is a demonstration of my love for God. The Lord Jesus Christ himself stated that. Have a look at it. John 14, verse 20. Of course that's not the whole purpose of the law that's just some of the ones that perhaps we're not really, not familiar with but you know, maybe we need to be reminded of so commandment number 5, 6 and 7 is what I'm supposed to be speaking on number 5 honour your father and mother what does it mean? does it mean just don't give your mum and dad cheek it could mean that it's probably in there somewhere. Does it mean don't tell lies to your mum and dad? Well, it definitely means that. But what was it that God actually had in mind when He when He put that in? Honor your mother and father. Father. The word honor. And it wasn't written in the Greek, alright? Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But the Hebrew word for honor means value or revere with an attitude of deep respect with a tinge of awe, you know? So that's sort of bordering on the sort of reverence that we might have for for God. Why would God put that in there like that? You learn... And this is when God was writing this. You learn about God, his deeds, his law. How? By your parents telling you about them. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. Have a listen to these verses. Have a listen. Just listen to these verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. This is God saying, he says... um, These commandments I give you today are upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you, (coughs) pardon me, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It was the father's responsibility to teach not just the children, but the whole household. It's another place that talks about that. The whole household. It was the father's responsibility to teach the whole household about God, his deeds, the well, things that he has done, and his law. Solemn responsibility. In Psalm 78, verse 6, it's actually commanded... It's commanded by God to the Father to teach that. Fathers, we've got a huge responsibility, haven't we? Because that hasn't been rescinded, that command. A few weeks ago, and I shared this uh, as well uh, during the year in our home group, but a few weeks ago I I spoke just before Christmas and I I took up the the little uh, character of, of Mary, the Virgin Mary, and when you look at the Virgin Mary and what she says and, and the things that she says in, in Luke, and now don't forget, at best she might have been 16, most commentators say she's younger than that, the things that she says, the things that she knows about God, the things that she has been told about the things that God had done, it's fascinating. It's deep. Who told her that? Not the rabbi at the local synagogue. She wouldn't have heard it from the rabbi. She wouldn't have heard it down at the local... Well, they wouldn't have had Seven Eleven stores back then, but, you know, she wouldn't have been hearing it from her local friends. You don't hear much about Mary's dad or her mum, but that's where she heard about God. You know, it says that Mary was highly favoured. Why? She just didn't know about God, but she had a love and appreciation from, about God that she got from her father, telling her, instructing her, teaching her about how wonderful God is. So when you dishonour your father and mother, what does it mean? It means that you're not you're not respecting the things that your dad has said, your father had taught you, the things of God in particular, and that's why it says in in, in that little uh, in Exodus it says uh, to honor your mother and father so that you may live uh, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So if you listen and respect and do what your mum and dad tells you. Yeah, you will live long in the land. It will be a great place to live because everyone's going to be following the Ten Commandments and living well. Of course, that didn't work out very well for them, did it? it hasn't worked out well for us either because we don't listen to the teachings that we received as young people. Commandment number six. This is an easy one, isn't it? Put your hand up if you've killed, murdered anybody. Nobody. Great, that's good. I'm pleased. It seems like a a, a no-brainer, doesn't it? Why would God put that in there? Now, in the King James, it happens to say, you shall not kill. And not a great rendition of it because when you, again, look at the Hebrew word, the the word that they used, and it's not to be pedantic, but the word they used was the word kill, but they had a word for kill, that meant kill another human. That's murder, isn't it? That's what it is. Because you, you you can kill another human accidentally, unintentionally, you know, during war. But not murder. To intentionally kill someone is wrong because what you're doing is you're destroying Someone who's been made in the image of God. That's why it's always been wrong in any culture, at any time in human history. That's why. That's why we don't have a problem killing a bull, a lamb or a chicken. But we struggle, don't we, at killing another human being. Even in a time of war, it's difficult causes stress and trauma because human life is precious. It's precious because it's made in the image of God. Let us make man in our image. That's why it's there. Command number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. God ordained man to live in relationship. How many times have you heard that from this platform? God ordained mankind to live in relationship and that's marriage that's how man is to live mankind man one man one woman always been like that living together in marriage coveted Covenanted or promised to each other to be faithful, to have children, to teach those children growing about God, and to live a peaceable life. That's the desire of God for you and me. And God ordained to protect that family unit right from the word go. Ordained to protect it. By this commandment, because it's adultery. That's the main threat. Always has been. Always will be. So, the question is this morning, are these commandments really still relevant for today, Raph? Are they? You see, quite often people say, oh, it's in the Old Testament, it was given to the people of Israel. You know, I spent a bit of time yesterday putting those two little tablets together. Very difficult to, to write on rough stone with text up. But the people of God were given those two tablets of stone because this is what God wanted them to know. Impressed upon your heart and very, very important. I'd like to just spend a couple of minutes this morning, if you would allow me, to... Look at the the Ten Commandments from the Lord's perspective which is why we read from Matthew this morning. From the Lord's perspective. Verse 17 of chapter 5 said that he did not come to abolish but to fulfil which means to explain by example. But he did more than that. He came and amplified the law. He didn't add to it. He just gave he, one of the ways he was going to fulfill it was to give us give us right god 's original intention for the law what he really expected to happen and the, one of the best verses for, to see that i think is in jeremiah thirty one verse thirty three god 's desire was his mind was to have these laws implanted in the mind and written on the heart of the people of God. So it wouldn't be just, a, oh, yeah, what was the ten No, no, no. So that in, when we think, everything's filtered through those ten commandments. When we act, you know, acts are usually acts of emotion. When those emotions come up, they come up through the, the filter of those ten commandments in our heart. So when the Lord was here in, in Matthew 21, uh, uh Matthew 25 uh, verse chapter 5, verse 21, he said, Yeah, you heard it said that murder's no good. But I say, He amplified, he, he's given us the real meaning. The real meaning, he says, he says, but if you're unrighteously anger, angered with your brother or sister. What did he say? It's just like murder. Wanting or or, or desiring your fellow brother or fellow man dead or cursed or damned by God is exactly the same as murder in God's eyes. I'm guilty of murder. I am. I have felt like that about some individuals in the past. Not boasting, I'm just being honest. It is a very high standard, isn't it? Unrighteous anger towards someone is just like murder. Matthew 20 uh, chapter 5, verse 20 says, the Lord says there, he says, you've heard it said if you, you know, if if you, if you if you if you commit adultery, it's no good. But here it says the Lord says, But I say if you look lustfully Upon another woman, if you look lustfully, men, men, we are guilty, yes, we are all of us. and ladies, that applies to you too as well, but us blokes i 'm not even going to bother to put your hand up. you see god god 's laws, the Ten Commandments are, are, are also given to highlight to us that we 're sinners. That's what they're given for. We're sinners. We, we cannot obtain righteousness. We can't stand before God and say, I'm a good person. And he says, okay, let's get those Ten Commandments out, right? Let's, let's start with the f- And those Ten Commandments will show you you're a sinner. doesn't matter who you are, when you've lived. You cannot obtain righteousness before God by your own effort and by trying to keep those commandments that's what we're trying to do by oh I've kept the ten commandments the lord spoke about that do you remember the lord talking about that with the pharisees you know one of the things that i noticed from going through the new testament is how often the lord refers to the ten commandments how often he talks about them how often he's asked about them how often you know they, they were tried they tried to use them against him and, of course, the apostles, you know, spoke about them and wrote about them as well because, because they demonstrate God's moral superiority and standard that's required to enter into his kingdom. Very, very important they are. And ultimately they prove your failure and my failure to meet those standards that God has. That's what they do. Very simple commands, not hard to understand, extremely difficult, if not impossible, to keep. That's why Christ was needed. That's why our Saviour was needed. That's why we remembered, and we come every week and remember this great event of Calvary, because he had to come, the Lord had to come and pay the penalty of broken law, of broken law, on our behalf. Somebody has to pay the fine or the penalty. A Christian, a Christian is never above the law. I'm going to say that again. A Christian is never above the law. But a Christian is free from the penalty and bondage and judgment of the law. There's a difference. When you go home, you think about that. And a Christian is no longer condemned by the law because that's what the law does. It condemns mankind in the eyes of God. I'm going to finish by reading out this little verse for you. Go home with this verse ringing in your mind, in your ears, sorry. Romans 8, verse 1, Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, because of Jesus Christ, who came not to abolish the law, not to add to the law, but to fulfil the law, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Set free, it says in the scriptures, set free from the law of sin and death. And praise be his name. Thank you.